Hello everyone, this is Jacob Popio, the producer of the Apex. In this episode, we are doing another new segment of The Disruptor. A disruptor means you're willing to drastically alter or change the structure of something. Today, Jan is sitting down with Jason Storch and Shwez Bahati. They discuss different questions like, how do I even start thinking about using data in my decisions? Or, why is data being called the new oil? If you want to support us, there are three ways to do so. One is to donate to our cause at www.patreon.com backslash the Apex Podcast. Second, visit our merch line that is proudly partnered with Envision Clothing Company at envisionclothingcompany.com. The final one is completely free. All we ask is if you learn something from this episode or know someone that needs to hear our message, share it with them. Please subscribe and hope this pushes you toward your Apex. All right, ready to go? Yep. What is going on, Apex Chasers? You are on another episode of the Apex Podcast live stream style. I am here with the second episode of our Disruptor series with two new faces. The first episode, you guys remember Justin and John. There are two sales guys that are passionate about user experience design. They're passionate about design thinking, and they showed us a whole bunch of different ways to approach sales from a different mindset. So the two gentlemen that I have in the stream with me today are going to help us look at design thinking, user experience, and sales, and other areas, but in the context of data, research, and how to make decisions without just guessing. So I'm super, super amped to have both of them here. Um, I will go ahead and allow the gentleman to this side. Man, I did that on the last episode too. Over here, Mr. Jason Storch, go ahead and introduce yourself. Jason, where are you from? What do you do? Hello, everyone. Uh, like Jan said, my name is Jason Storch. I have grown up in the Canton area, but currently reside in Navarre. Um, Barely. My, yeah. With my beautiful <laughs> wife, Megan, I got two boys, Jace and Jude. And uh, for a living, I am process improvement and data analytics. Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time, my friend. Jason and I have been friends kind of by happenstance. Um, I actually met his wife first because I worked with her at the hospital. Uh, and then I was at a Christmas party and went up to the bar to order a drink. Jason heard my last name. Turns out his best friend married my cousin. And that is the story of Canton South. Like, oh, the town is like this big. And next thing you know, we're talking entrepreneurship. And Jason, what happened the first night that me, you, and Popia went out at Canton Brewing Company? What did you have to go out and take home with you? You bought something at Walmart. Oh yeah, so uh, th these guys could not let me go home and feel satisfied with the evening unless I stopped and bought a whiteboard. But not only buy a whiteboard, I had to use a whiteboard and show proof mm. of that. So it was my first mission. I think I passed. What do you think? Yeah, well, you're you're sitting in the chair, my friend. All so right. I, I think that you've proven yourself pretty well over the last, you know. Oh man, it's, it has has it even been a year yet? I well, this was just up. yeah. We're coming up on our we're coming up on our year anniversary. I'm so proud. And then down below we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Shways Bahati, Sway Z. My one of my right hands when it comes to user experience and design, Shways. You may recognize him from an episode of the Apex podcast, but my friend, welcome back to the show. Hey man, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So, why don't you tell the audience um, if they haven't listened to your amazing episode? First of all, if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to it. We'll make sure that we tag it in the comments. But why don't you reintroduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, so um, obviously, my name is Shreyas Bahati. Um, I grew up in the Canton area. Um, get on the school in here, Walsh University. Roll Cavs. Yeah, go Cavs. Um, then after college, I moved away from home for the first time into Arizona State University. And I am now finishing my master's degree in human systems engineering. Mm. And I am back. Working for Apex Communications Network, and I'm really excited. 
Yeah. I hear they're a pretty solid company. <laughs> <laughs> Just the whispers in the wind, the word on the street. The CEO is a little off his locker. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. He's a solid guy. He's a solid dude. I'll take it. Well, thank you, my friend. Um, so today, like I said, we're going to get started by talking about a couple of terms that I feel like we've been throwing around a little bit. And I'm sure that you guys haven't really 100%, and I'm pointing at the audience, not y'all, like 100% don't understand some of the stuff that we're talking about when we say things like user experience design or human systems engineering or human factors. So we're going to start by allowing Shways to really explain what that is, because uh, Shways is really the gentleman that brings all of that experience to our team. Um, he, he's fondly kind of looked at as like the glue of our organization right now because he's kind of holding people together um, and keeping us focused on basing our decisions off of quantitative and qualitative data. So Shways, why don't you go ahead and um, just talk about your degree at Arizona State um, and what all that entailed? What did you work on while you were there? Sure. Um try to keep this brief <laughs> but uh human systems engineering is, um, really human factors psychology so um, i look at user experience as sort of a subset of human factors because uh, under human factors besides uh user experience there's also ergonomics um so i worked uh, a little bit in uh, the user experience side of things my other research was looking at the relationship between intelligent automation and humans within environment, essentially. Um, so the the user experience uh, work I did uh, a little bit was for the simulation that scientists uh, basically develop to educate people about water mm. um, but the simulation was uh, sort of atrocious so we we overhauled it research on it um, but the that that was one project and another project I did was for, it was actually for Hyundai it was their uh, the prototype that they had for their infotainment system. So we those yeah, and and those are both like such in-depth talk topics. Like I understand what you meant when you said I'm going to try to keep this brief, right? Because those are very. I mean, we could spend an entire probably five episode segment series on just that if not more right yeah. this is really really deep stuff from what i understand um and so there's definitely going to be times when you know you guys are talking and i'm gonna be like hey maybe we explain that you know mostly i'm going to pretend like it's for the audience but it's really probably for me so <laughs> that we can make sure that everybody's on the same page so um jason when we first met you know i kind of expected data was literally just you know, CSV files, it was numbers, commas, it was all this other type of stuff. But you showed me an entirely new world uh, when it comes to data analysis to the point where, you know, I had you do some work for the nonprofit um, that I'm on the board for and just completely rock their socks off when it comes to the uh, their ability to use their data. And so that's what I really kind of want you to hit on is why is it so important for people to be able to not only collect their data, but actually use it. Right. Um, honestly, when it, when it comes to data, most people take it for face value, hoping that uh, people have done their due diligence in presenting it. And, and unfortunately, that's not the case, especially you'll find in a lot of businesses, they have the data, but they don't know what to do with it. And so that was really uh, what I found, especially with the nonprofit that you're, you're, you mentioned is the data was there, but it was messy. You had to clean it up and, and make it useful. So really the work I did was just scratching the surface and turning it into something that they can use to make decisions with. And as either a business owner or even a consumer, 
we need to remember that data is it drives in every decision you make when and we find that without getting political but we have found that it can even mean life or death in in, in instances like the coronavirus you know mm-hmm. the, the data that we're receiving has been so muddied people don't trust it so if you're running a business and you want to make a multi-million dollar decision you have to make sure that the data is accurate and and you know what you're looking at you know, and the thing is, is that you don't have to be that multi-million dollar business. Yeah, if our Absolutely. entire mission here is empowering that small business owner to not have to pay a crazy amount of money anytime they want something done, or they feel like they're trying to make decisions with their business based off of gut intuition or what a company that they're working with tells them rather than working with them to kind of show them, like you said, be able to use the data and interpret it well. You know, Shway's actually really um, kind of hit home with me uh, about a month ago with a statement that he made um, because I I used the word manipulate when I talked about a data set. And I thought that he was going to backhand me to Mars when, you know, I said that word. But, you know, it's not about cherry picking data. It's not about doing stuff. You have to pull the data in a way that it's objective, right? You're trying to figure out what the data says and make a decision based off of it, not trying to pull the data in order to make it look like what you want it to look like. So Shways, why don't you talk a little bit about the importance of that when it comes to the psych world, when we're dealing with these human interactions and stuff like that? Why is it so important for a business owner to know what people are actually doing versus what they feel like they're doing? Yeah, so this kind of goes side of things, but it, the basic idea is this is sort of my philosophy um, in context of like what world we're living in today. And, you know, it's not enough that we just make a product that can make people's lives easier. Um, the product it has to go beyond the pitch. It has to delight the end user. It has to really display a positive, really positive experience. So the way that data can help you uh, tailor to uh, an overall really positive, delightful user experience is by really showing you um, what your customers are engaging with. Jeff Bezos talks about this all the time because he said he wanted Amazon to be very, very focused on the customer experience. So you look at their business model. First of all, they they give you a bunch of options for just one product. Secondly, um, they recommend uh, other products that you know, other people have bought while shopping for the original product and secondly their delivery and uh, shipment methods are super super fast so all of this is looking at what it is that people you know what are viewing what is it what it is that they're interested in and looking at the way they talk and the way they speak and looking at the the you know reading between the lines of the language that is being spoken and understanding what problems the people experiencing on a day-to-day basis that um, you can, if you figure out a way to solve it, you can figure out a way to monetize it. So really the, the, to summarize it, what data helps a business do is um, provide, data gives insights into problems. You can figure out how to solve those problems. You can make your company the best company there is, essentially. Because at the end of the day, you know the end user is the person that really, really matters. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're going beyond just filling some need and actually providing a positive experience, that's how you get repeat customers. That's how you get word of mouth recognition. That's how you mm-hmm. get that's how you build your credibility. You can scale that to an enormous level and really 
unprecedented that you can do with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. The the amount that the the depth of insight that you're able to extract is just mind-boggling, right? Um so Jason, when it comes to data, we've had multiple conversations about something that you just mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, people needing to do their due diligence. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, yeah, like we can come in and audit this and we'll show you this. And, you know, we can get your numbers green. I hear that a lot. Um, why is it more important to have somebody that's willing to hold you accountable to what the data actually is and help you lean it out or help you pivot than it is to have somebody that just shows you green numbers? Well, if you're going in to help a company with their own data, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to have that trust to be able to, first of all, go in there and see that data. I'm hoping that if they're providing it, that they know that you're not going to go in there and manipulate it. It's, it's their numbers. You're just making it be understandable, mm. um, which can be difficult on the flip side if it's raw data. So it's definitely a good thing to have someone who understands what they're doing so they can walk them through it and explain it. So it's not like they're just dumping it off and, and you're, you're, you're spitting out these reports that they don't have any, any idea, but you're there to clean it up. You're there to mm. summarize and, 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 and make it something that they can use moving forward easily. Yeah. Like you're giving them like the spark notes version, like right. what's really actually important. And now we've had a bunch of conversations um, between the fires and whatever else, the shenanigans that we've had at, you know, in your backyard um, over the summer about people that, you know, we feel that, holy crap, I can't believe people are paying people for this. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious about that statement itself, right? There's these groups of consultants out there that'll go in, you know, they, they sell almost like a Nirvana-esque dream, um, attempt to try to achieve it. They may not even get anywhere close and then they get paid or they come in and it's some crappy training that, you know, everybody's heard a thousand times, but it's not changing anything. Um, now you're unique because you're both data analyst, right? And you're also lean six right now. Now, how have those two kind of married together when you've seen the ability to try to affect an organization by using quantitative and qualitative data to lean out their processes? Right. So it goes back to kind of what I mentioned earlier, where data drives all your decisions. So you're not going to know what decisions to make unless you follow the data. So if I'm looking at numbers, that will lead me towards being able to implement process improvement, which mm-hmm. would ultimately help my business grow. But it boils down to, if you're looking at things like that, it comes down to honesty too. So I'm not going to make a decision just because I want to get your business. You know, it has to make sense. The proof's in the pudding. This is what I would recommend. And this is why. And this mm. is how I arrived at that decision. So I think being able to understand what you're looking at and being able to explain it simply is also how you can tie the two together. Uh, you're not, you're not going to be able to improve your business any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now a term that I've, I've heard being thrown around is data is the new oil. You know, Shways, you've told that to me. Dude, I don't even know how many hundreds of times in the last like month, um, just consistently reminding us that we're on the right track by utilizing things like machine learning and, and other avenues, data sets that we're currently using to help these businesses make accurate decisions. Why do you believe, and Jason, I'm coming to you next, but Chways, why do you believe that data is the new oil, quote unquote? Yeah, so, um, you know, oil used to be uh, the most valuable resource uh, the, the history of it down here is I believe the first billionaire in the United States mm. maybe even the world um, something like that right and it was because of the oil like I said you know we're moving to this new era we've already moved into this new era where you can't just make something have to consider the end user and how they're going to use that product, how they're going to do it, um, what pain points are they going to have. So, 
know, that and all that that's all that the painting side um, the, 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 the end user's initial thoughts they first see it they first use it the thoughts as, as they use it, as they gain their experience with the product, all of that is data. Um, so you know, you're trying to, we live, we live in this very hyper competitive environment where being an entrepreneur is easier than it's ever been, starting a company is easier than it's ever been. Um, how are you standing out? How do you, how do you um, seems so obvious that's such a cliche but it's like you have to just put out the best product there is so it's not enough for it to be usable it it has to be accepted by a whole multitude of people the way you get to that level is by understanding what it is so that's why we, that's why we do usability tests. Why we do we do we build personas and we build all these prototypes and wireframe all of these things so that we can figure out you know what what's wrong with the the, the original design of a product or a service and go through the reiteration phase. That's really what the power of that is. Allows you to have a starting point, allows you to figure out what the problems are, go back, address it, make it better, and then you know, keep going through that phase. Mm. It's, it's, it's a lot like you know, writing writing a book. You know, the first the first draft of a book is first draft of anything that you write is horrible. Yeah, atrocious. Completely atrocious. But you know, then you show it to somebody, and that's that's awful, right? Because you don't want to be judged, but you show it to somebody and they, they give you feedback, right? That's data. That feedback that someone gives you when you write it, that is data. It's a lot. Yep. Same thing for UX research. People providing that, uh, as much feedback as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on, on John and Justin's episode, actually, just before like your guys' thing, um, I was talking to John and I was like, you know what, when, when you're first in a startup, cause we were talking about how entrepreneurs can use design thinking. And I was like, you have access to all of this data in gas station clerks, Starbucks baristas, the cashier at giant Eagle, you know, yeah. whoever, because they all offer feedback. And so if you can go and pitch your business to a gas station clerk and keep their attention for 30 seconds to a minute and they're like dead focused on what you're doing, you probably have got a pretty decent pitch nailed down because most of the time the gas station clerk doesn't give a crap, you know, unless it's speedy foods in Canton local, then, you know, I walk in and they're like, Hey, how's it going? You know, I haven't seen you in a while. How's your mom? Because my hometown is that big. Um, but any other time, you know, you have to really fight to hold their attention, but they do offer feedback and you can take that and use it to mold your next iteration. So is there anything that you want to finish up on before I go to Jason? I'm sorry, any, any good company does that, that, that iteration process. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Hopefully, hopefully that's a standard process at this point. Um, I've been on a couple of calls, and it, it's actually it's genuinely concerning that that's not the standard at this point. So it's really, I'm hoping that we can really, really try to raise that tide and help as many people as possible get to a place where they're able to make insightful decisions. Um, so Jason, I, I'm going to kind of give you the floor on the data and oil question, um, but then kind of split it in half, right? Because I want to know why data is the new oil in your opinion. But then also, if you were to go into a business, and they had absolutely no idea what they were doing, where would you start, right? Like educating them, whatever else. We can kind of keep that in the back of your head. But first off, let's just see what, why is data more valuable than John D. Rockefeller's treasure? All right. So, so far in this episode, we've talked about how we can use data, but we haven't talked about 
how we're collecting data, so to speak. So the new oil question would be to me, I'm going to use a movie quote from Ready Player One, but it's first to the key, first to the egg. So yeah. if you can find data that hasn't been collected yet, guess who's going to be uh, striking rich, so to speak? Right. Uh, you know, and that's what we're finding in this new era of data is that it's being collected without you even knowing it. There's conversations I've had, and I'm sure my phone later this evening will pop up something uh, either in my news feed or on Amazon of what we discussed tonight. And it'll yep. relate some way or another in that realm. So they're listening, which is, uh, I think that's the world we live in. So I think that is a, where we're at with the oil, is in being able to collect data that hasn't been collected before. And then being able to use that to make decisions, but yeah, and that that point right there, and and we'll get into the the second half of the question. I know I'm like cutting in on you guys, but you guys are saying so much good stuff. Um, that that point right there, right? You're you're finding data that hasn't been collected yet. That is why it's important to have a creative team looking at your stuff, because you have somebody like Shwes Bahadi that has studied how people interact with different things. You've got and, and I'll just use myself as an example, somebody that has been in the military, has worked contracting, has worked on a farm, has, you know, worked as an ICU nurse, and now has been um, in the rat race in the marketing world for the last four years, analyzing the gaps. Where can we try to collect data in your company that you're not already doing to try to make, help you make better decisions? That's why we have three tiers, right? We start with educate, and that's where we're pulling the data they already have, cleaning it up and teaching them about it. But then phase two and phase three, you're innovate and automate. So you get to that phase two and you're really trying to innovate. But sometimes when you own the business yourself, I'm experiencing this right now. There's a gentleman that's kind enough to be mentoring me that is seeing gaps in Apex and helping me fill them. You know, but that's, that's the benefit of having a team that's dedicated to creative action, innovation, and data to come in and help you figure that stuff out. So if we were going to go in and try to help somebody figure out where to start, Jason, where would we, where would we start? Uh, me personally, I would just ask questions until you stumble upon an area in which you know you're able to help them. And that's the moment when you're able to release the information that you hold of value for them. And, and it'll honestly, it'll click. I, I feel like it'll be very, like you had mentioned earlier about relationships, it'll be very organic. Mm -hmm. uh, with that uh, mentoring, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. of coming in and helping them. You know, you just ask the right questions and, and eventually you'll, you'll find where they're hung up and where you can help them. Right, right. Now, Shways, if it's, that's the approach, right? And we're asking different questions and everything like that. What are some questions that we might be able to ask a business owner that would help us figure out that pathway to finding success for them? So, I think one of the things that we, we could do is really ask them, like, what, what exactly is the, the problem that they want to solve? Right? So, that'd be something that brings up out of helpful with is outreach. Mm. Um, getting your, your, uh, Business out there. This is kind of what you do here at Apex. Um, getting getting the, the business sort of online and on social media and creating uh, original organic content that helps people who um, want to engage with uh, you know, that business online. So I think the, uh, the I think the questions that we kind of Ask like, well, what, are, what are the problems that you want to engage with? Um, what are the, some of the solutions that you provide? Um, and then uh, from there, uh, uh, questions that give you insight into how these businesses are engaging with the customer. Mm. I think those are also very, very important questions. That's where you can do a lot of that. That's where uh, I think that's what opens the door to uh, 
integrating people because you know you got to remember that sometimes people feel like they already have the answer but they don't know how to do what needs to be done so that can lead to a mismatch because uh, they they think they know what the answer is they just don't know how to do it they just they don't know you to tell them what the answer is oh my god yeah that's like me with every single Excel sheet I've tried to build ever. I just cuss at it and then give it to Jason. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, just real quick question for uh, Swayze down there. What if we did know the answer? How would we handle that without asking questions? Um, well, uh, you, you got to be careful with that as well because um, – you know, what would it look like if you just put in I know what problem you're having and I know how to fix it. Mm. You know what I mean? That, right. can, that, that can make you look kind of sketchy to that mm. person. You know what I mean? Unless you have a story you can relate to. Hey, I helped solve this problem. It looked identical to this and then show an example. Mm. Yeah, that's a good move. Look at you guys challenging each other. I'm so proud. Well, I, I, again, you know, I, you, you got to remember, even you might have the answer, but you got to be, got to have a, yeah, what's the word I'm looking? You got to be tactful how you go about it, you know, because you don't want to seem like a, it's all, like an all-knowing type person mm. there with your, with your ego, because. People aren't going to take too kindly to that. You, you might have the answer. You might yeah. be right, but that's not all that matters. They're going to kick open the saloon doors and go, there ain't room enough in here for the two of us. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Right. I'm going to start a duel at high noon. <laughs> right. <laughs> and again, and you know, another crazy thing is another crazy thing. <laughs> They might not. They might not care. Like, oh yeah, you have an answer to a problem that the business is experiencing. But does the business care about that problem? Mm hmm. It's where a lot of people get hung up on market fit when they're developing products. We talked about that on the on the first episode of the disruptor. We talked. Uh, John Coons kind of brought up a little bit about how market fit is so important because it's not just whether you're solving a problem. Or it's some, you know, it has to be something that the consumer actually wants or the business actually wants. And that's where the only way you're going to find out is going out there and going at iteration after iteration after iteration of figuring out, is this what you actually want? Yeah. Crickets. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to transition here a little bit. Because there's this interesting term that I'm seeing thrown around in the market right now, right? Shways, you know how psychotic I can be with research sometimes because I send him texts at like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, hey, I just found this article. You should read it. He's like, go to bed. You're crazy. Um, <laughs> and um, although last night he was up researching stuff until the wee hours of the morning. So I guess we're both even there. Um, <clears throat> so there's this term called the experience-based economy, right? And traditionally, the experience-based economy has been linked with places like Disney, right? That's, that's an experience. But there's an interesting stat, um, and, you know, since we're talking about data, that 78% of a pool that they interviewed out of the millennial generation would rather spend their money on an experience over something that just has brand value. They would rather go and spend a bunch of money to go to Disney World than buy a car, right? Which is absolutely bonkers. So the auto industry is doing what? They're creating an experience on the inside of those vehicles. The tech, the smoothness of the leather, all of the ergonomics of the inside. And I know Schwaze is over there like, yes, he's talking about design. Um, like these are all things that industries are doing to adapt to living in an experience-based economy. And that's why we here at Apex chose to really make our mantra turning your brand into an experience. 
because it's going to do nothing but continue to get more and more in depth as the millennials continue to get older and Gen Z's come up into the rat race. Right. But we'll just kind of, I, I kind of want to wrap up the episode on that. This nap is driving me absolutely insane. Um, we'll wrap up the episode on that idea of this experience-based economy. I'm going to Mr. Miyagi this thing with some chopsticks. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'll just turn it over so that I can try to figure out where these bad boys are coming from. But Jason, why don't we start with you? When you think of an experience-based economy, why do you think that we're in a place where we're so focused on experiences and why is it so important for a business to really understand what its experience is? Uh, I would say as a society, for the most part, as a whole, you know, people just want to feel good. So you're going to remember things that make you feel good for long periods of time. And, I, you know, and I feel like a lot of times people are also businesses are leaning towards, you know, family based experiences. So it's not they're not just tapping into you, they're tapping into everyone you love, which is even more powerful. So, you know, but they're, they're come. How do you how do you know what leather to choose? How do you know? what stereo to put into a car, right? That all boils down to data. So they are understanding on a scale what the majority like, what do they enjoy? Mm. What's going to make them talk about us even though we didn't say anything to them or ask them any questions? You know, so it's it's almost like a subliminal experience. Mm. Wow, that was wonderful. I'm going to talk about it. Right. So I feel like that 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 it just opens doors for all businesses to tap into that. And I feel like we're literally at the beginning of it because like you said, Disney, you know, we had to go to a park to experience that. Well, now you can have an experience anywhere. Yeah. Even at your home at some, in some cases. Yeah. Well, and COVID really shifted that paradigm, right? You know, people are having experiences in their home with coworkers, you know, right. coworkers are now eating cereal together in the morning while they're in a morning meeting or, like somebody is cooking breakfast, holding a child while they're giving a conference call. And and that experience of merging the home life with the work life, um, I think has caused a lot more like intimate relationships. Like when we all go back to work after this is all over, people are going to have a fundamentally different view of who their coworkers are. Um, now, not all businesses were like that, obviously, right? Mostly the ones that had remote work capabilities we're going to be like that, but it is going to cause a fundamental shift no matter which way you look at it. And one thing, you know, I, I even noticed too, with, with the, the staying at home working because we were forced to do that is that we're, we were being forced to tap into unfound happiness, so to speak. The people mm -hmm. who had to go to the office can now work at home in the comfort of their home. That increases your levels of happiness. So now the economy is booming and I don't know for sure, but could it be related to that? Right. Right now. I definitely agree. Yeah. And, and so Shways, when we say experience-based economy, right, Jason's bringing up points like, like the economy booming and people being at home and, and connecting with each other and having Disney like experiences pretty much anywhere in the world at this point. Um, what is your take on that whole box of shenanigans there? Well, I want, I really want to get back to the question you asked why is it for business? Mm, okay. Um, so, uh, this claim that I'm making, I don't know what the research is on it. I'm completely wrong about it. I'm just saying, <laughs> risking my reputation here. <laughs> hmm. The uh, I think one of the big differences between the younger generation compared to the older generation is that millennials have grown up in this environment where they are used to instant gratification, more so than um, their parents and their parents. Um, we, we see this with so many companies, right? Like, um, if like you know, we were told when we were younger that we wouldn't have calculators in our pockets, right? And that was that was a saying that teachers used to say to justify you know, kids learning. Like, 
well, they were wrong um, because everyone has a smartphone now. And, and I mean, have you ever tried to take a, a smartphone away from a child? Like a really, like a, like a baby, like a toddler? They freak scream. out. They freak out, right? They, they completely lose it. <laughs> this idea, the, the idea here is that like, We've created these technologies like the iPhone, right? And it has everything in it. It has like your alarm, it has the internet, it has apps for so, so many different things. It can be used for personal things, it can be used for professional business things. Um, it's it's instant, right? And, and mm. like with, with Amazon, you order it in the morning, you're gonna have it like the next day two days like have you ever ordered something from amazon it tells you like you're gonna have to wait a week or two weeks you look at that and you're like what the hell i have to wait a week <laughs> you know what i mean right we're so, we're so used to this instant gratification and you know if you walk into a business and you're instantly not gratified like you kind of don't want to go back to that business mm. but that's the reason why i think it's so important for businesses to have their experiences like someone's gonna walk into your, your place of business, right? or like if your place of business is digital, they're gonna go on your website, right? And they're gonna look around for like a minute, or like three or four minutes tops, right? And if they're not completely like, like delighted by your business, they're not gonna come back. Right. So yeah. I think that, that's why it's super yeah. important to, to understand what, what type of experience your business Yeah, and I feel like there's even a certain standard that should, should be held. You know, if you don't reach this certain standard where we're all expecting it to be, it makes you behind the curve. Look at that company. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, you're behind the times. Yeah. This is what I expect at all times. Right. And that's, that's something that like, uh, you know, Shways, you spent a lot of that time talking about physical space. And I'm really like, you know, I think what we're really passionate about is my entire life, I have heard the Midwest is 10 years behind California, you know, or, you know, Canton, Ohio is all, if you're 10 years behind the curve, you're five years ahead of the times in Canton, Ohio, right? I've heard that line more than once my entire life. Um, Screw that, right? We have so many resources at our fingertips and so much education at our fingertips that it is so important to teach people how to co- create that experience in the digital realm. Like it's all, it, the brick and mortar is super important, but that extra layer, and you said it, Shways, right? The website, you know, what do people see when they first get to your website? Is it mobily optimized? Does it have a call to action on it? all of these things that people are so, whether they know it or not, they are so subconsciously used to seeing those on professional sites that if you do not have them, Jason, to your point, that standard is not met and you are now looking behind the times, right? But it's so easy to fix if you have the right eyes on it. And the thing is, is that you have to have a team that you can trust that will work with you over a long period of time because you can't educate somebody like that overnight. It takes months to really get in there, to really help them understand the pulse. You know, and I say that because I'm a nurse and I use medical references all the time, but to really understand the pulse of their business and bringing that experience home. You know, you, you can walk up to the plate and if you calculate enough times where that pitcher is throwing the ball, you can hit a home run. Right. But if you go up there with no prior understanding of where that pitcher throws, you know, and every now and then you do get a curveball and the data will come back and you're like, WTF, like, where did that come from? Right. But that happens. Those are just, they're extraneous. They're outside of the average data set, you know, do what? Outliers. Outliers. There we go. That works. That's the word I was looking for. Why, that's why we give you the big bucks, Shways. Um, but trying to figure out where those outliers are isn't 
always the best focus, right? Because you may have had one bad experience with data, but it also may have been an outlier. We don't, we don't want to focus on outliers at all. It's, no. We want to help you turn your business into an outlier is what yeah, we want to do. We want to try to take your business and have you not have so many data set outliers and turn your business into a freaking outlier that is, you know, here's the standard for everybody in your business. But now you're making data-driven hard results. I mean, you're, you're driving, using data. You're making decisions that are 90% accurate. You have a creative team helping you with content. You're building up your rapport. You're beating SEO. You've got SEM going on, which for those of you that don't know is search engine optimization and search engine marketing. It, it's basically how Google ranks you, you know, on the, um, I call it the set list, right, on the Google page. But you have to be able to use all of the tools in your tool belt in order to get ahead of the game. Because if you start making those decisions, I guarantee you that your competitor that is not using that to drive their decisions, you're going to wipe the floor with them 10 out of 10 times. I'll give ourselves 9 out of 10 times just in case your competitor is some kind of like savant that can just read the future through a crystal ball. But unless they have spells and witchcraft, they're not going to be able to beat you. If you're using data-driven insights, so there's there's two points I want to make here because I think and you hit on them. I'm just gonna touch on them briefly. Drive them home, Swayze. <laughs> uh, I forget what it was. I was at. it was a it was an interview with Bill Gates. But he basically said, uh, Bill Gates, that if your business is in the internet, your business is not going to be in business. Mm. Um, and I, and so that's the first thing. And the second thing is ha, coming from, you know, I guess you could say I'm educated, highly educated or something, but you don't need to go to school. This is not something that is so nuanced, so, you know, filled with scientific jargon. You can, this is something I, I really believe. Like if you if you're a bit, if you're a serious business owner, if you're really trying to figure out how to make your best business, make your business the best business that it can possibly be, you can learn all this UX data analysis stuff. Mm. It's not going to happen overnight, like you said. It's going to take time, but it I think it it is learnable. It's not something you need to go to school for. No, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. You need like, you know, the person holding the torch as you're walking through the cave, but you don't need to go to school. You just need a guide is what you need. Um, but, you know, on that note, I, I, I really think that that's, that's really the, the message that I wanted to try to get across, right, is that, is that we do have these things called UX design and we're focused on experiences and we're using data-driven insights and we're trying to really portray that our entire passion as disruptors is to help people understand their data and use that to turn their brands into full-blown experiences because there's nothing better in my mind or something more rewarding than watching someone's eyes light up after they realize that another customer had a positive experience in their business, whether online or in person. You know, that is an extremely gratifying feeling to watch a business owner you know, perk up with delight because something that we've implemented has made their lives easier or the lives of their customers easier. So um, with that, are there any final words between uh, either of you guys? We can, you know, go Jason Schwaze or Schwaze Jason. You guys can duke it out. I'll just, I'll just say something real quick, you know, to, to go off of what you said about gratification. That, that's, a, that's a two-way street, you know, that giving resources and information to people and making them happy is also gratifying yeah you know you know what i mean as a person helping another business or individual uh it's it's a great feeling yeah well i can't imagine when you like actually get all of their formulas together and put it all into a nice little package and all i have to do is click a button and i can see what i need to see rather than screaming at a csv file it's all magic no, yeah, no. I swear that he has potions at his house or something, because I like send him stuff that just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, and it just comes back like, ah. I, I had a great teacher. I will say that. 
Good. Well, who was your teacher? My boy, John Sanson. He, uh, he showed me the ropes. The man, the myth, the legend. Okay, okay. Yeah, he, he, he is the man. He, he, he basically groomed me to being able to do anything to help you guys in that aspect or that realm. So I would give him mad props, um, especially as you know, being a coach or a mentor in that, in that region. Well, that's awesome. Good for him. It's always important to have a mentor like that. Mm -hmm. So, Chways, anything from you, my friend? I was just going to say, I'm going to blow the curtain right over my back. They're all wizards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's like the Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Oh, my God. You guys are actually Gandalf. Where, where are you going with this? Gandalf. You shall not pass. <laughs> oh my God. I guess I think yeah. where I'm going with it is I think that people who understand that are pretty powerful people. Yeah, I could I could see um Jason with a five foot white beard and a staff. I can macro beard, I'm sorry. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure it's Gandalf the Grey. So anybody that watches lord of the rings religiously is going to cuss me out for saying he had a white beard but i corrected it so you guys can go jump off no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but all right before we dive down too many more rabbit holes um thank you guys for showing up i appreciate your guys's time as always you know especially from all the different roller coaster ups and downs and crazy crap that we've put each other through over the last you know jason's been riding with us for about a year shways you've been with us about a year um, so thank you guys for your expertise. I know the audience appreciates it and, uh, I'm looking forward to changing businesses lives alongside of both of you gentlemen. Absolutely. Thank you. Jan. Thank you, Jan. All right. And then for everybody in the audience, um, if you want any additional resources, the best thing to do is either go to chase the or you can go follow the apex podcast, which will also be in the link. Um, but you can actually listen to Shway's episode where we talk about his journey from, getting into Walsh University where we both graduated together and then going to Arizona State and grabbing his degree. So I'll make sure that we post the episode link there and make sure you go ahead and click that subscribe button so you're sure that you're never going to miss an ounce of this valuable information. So till next time, I'm Jan Almasy, and this has been another episode on the Apex Communications Network. <laughs>